Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, bringing you an expanding library of education with even more ways to sharpen your trading skills. Access new online courses, insightful webcasts, articles, engaging videos, and more, all curated just for traders. Plus, guided learning paths with content designed to fit your unique interests. No sifting to find exactly what you need so you can spend your time learning to trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley, joins us here. Ellen, Matt and I were just talking about insurance, uh, inflation, housing markets. Let's start with inflation. What's your inflation call? Did we kind of peak in March, April, or do we have more to go? So I think we've clearly seen uh, a peak in some of the categories where we were looking for a weakness. You know, you were just talking about uh, new and used car prices. Um, and there is evidence that those are definitely toppy here. Um, but, you know, inflation is going to be painful for some time here. I mean, I think the fact that um, it is going to be coming off these peaks that we've just hit doesn't mean that suddenly we're back at a very low inflationary environment, you know, in the next couple of months. I think it's going to be a, a, a slow um, decline from, from here, and we're still going to end the year, you know, fairly elevated. What do you, what, for, first of all, I can't help but say, Ellen used to do Rewind with me all the time. Yeah. Those were the days, Alan, when you, me, Joe Brusuelas, David Rosenberg, we had the best time on that. It was a nighttime show at Bloomberg. It was. It was, it was a, a good casual conversation where we could get a little goofy. <laughs> that happened occasionally. Um, so, all right, we, we, we have your take on inflation. I guess the next most important thing is your take on growth. Um, you know, how does it look? Are we just going to slow down? Do we remain at, at trend growth? Are we headed for a recession in the next, you know, year and a half? How do you see it? Yeah, so growth, um, look, I think, you know, I'm still constructive on growth um, on the U.S., and especially when you look at across other um, countries with, you know, developed market central banks that are also trying to do the same amount of tightening. I think the U.S. is definitely in a good position to withstand the amount of tightening that, the Fed would like to do. Um, but energy prices, while they're not affecting um, the U.S. as much as, say, in Europe um, and other parts of the world, um, it is affecting households in the U.S., and in particular, lower-income households. And so, you know, we've refreshed um, our look at uh, the impact uh, across households in the U.S., and we've taken consumer spending down quite a bit 
uh, going into the second quarter, where I think we're going to get just around a 1% growth rate in consumer spending. And that's because there's just only so much that households can withstand, and they've got to uh, absorb this shock of higher energy, food, and rents, uh, and rising interest rates. Um, now, does that spell disaster for the U.S. economy? No, but I think that, that at least for the consumer, that's going to be the slowest quarter of the year uh, as, as we adjust. Um, but I think we're in good shape. I mean, look at jobs. Jobs have been so incredibly steady in that 500,000 range. And when I look ahead a few weeks to the next jobs report, I don't see anything in the data that go into those estimations uh, that would point to some sort of slowdown in, in job creation here. Um, and you can't get a recession uh, or a meaningful slowdown in the economy if you're going to still be printing that level of, of job gains. You are a Buffalo, aren't you, Ellen? Big Buff fan. I, I am. I'm a big Buff fan and a big Longhorn fan. So you so, grew up in Austin, you know, Texas. I get the Longhorn. Then you go to University of Colorado, business administration, and a master's. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, the, que- the, the question big- the question is how did you ever get out of there? Yeah, right? because did- most people that study in Colorado realize it's a better place to live than everywhere else. <laughs> it's it's the same. You know what? Somehow I tend to to leave all the good places, so yeah. people can't understand why I ever left Austin. Boulder, Colorado. My son just just graduated from University of Colorado, so I've spent a lot of time in Boulder. It is a fantastic town. So is Denver, of course. So it's uh, great to uh, chat with a buff, Ellen Zentner, Sco Buffs. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before. Like access to the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Joy, we got you on the phone. Joy Filatico, uh, president of Lincoln, thanks so much for joining us. Um, so we were just talking about uh, what to pow- with what to power the Navigator. Right now, there's only the, the EcoBoost option, if, if I'm not mistaken. Are we going to an electric version? Are we going to a hybrid version? Well, you're correct. The Navigator is uh, just the, the EcoBoost engine right now, and we don't have anything to say about uh, electrifying that vehicle yet. It's a fantastic vehicle. A lot of our customers use it for road trips, as you uh, well know. 
Um, what we were talking about uh, last night here that I think you stayed up for uh, was our Lincoln Star concept, which is an electric uh, vehicle concept vehicle. Yeah, so talk us through that. Um, like I said, Barbosa sent me the release. I was super psyched. Please keep me on your media list. Um, and it looks fascinating. Uh, the interior is probably more important, I guess, than the exterior. What, what have you got here? Yeah, so this is our uh, Lincoln Star concept, and, you know, we're commemorating our 100th year anniversary, and we thought, what a better time to really redefine the DNA of our vehicles for the next 100 years. So looking at electric, uh, to your point, the interior is super important uh, for the Lincoln brand. We always try to create that as sanctuary experience. So with the extra space that we have, we're able to have that uh, front trunk. We're able to have a great exterior trunk, and we're able to do incredible things uh, in the inside with a coast-to-coast -coast screen, um, with the lounge seats, and create a real uh, third space for our clients. But the exterior is also very important to clients, and you'll see the new face of Lincoln. Um, the vision that we have for that as we move to EVs on this vehicle, you can see the backlit lighting, uh, the star that's uh, behind the glass. Um, you can see the sleek design, aerodynamic, good for efficiency and range, um, and, and the sleekness of the, the side panels as well. Hey, Joy, just, so just broadly defined 30 seconds here, how quickly is the Ford Motor Company, Lincoln Motor Company, going to go electric? So we are going to have three fully electric vehicles by 2025, and we'll have a fourth in 2026, and that's all part of the Ford Plus plan, where we'll be producing more than 2 million vehicles globally at Ford in 2026. That's some big stuff there. I mean, you know, once these folks in Detroit got into the EV story, they're moving aggressively. Joy Filatico, president and CMO of the Lincoln Motor Company. All right, our Federal Reserve is, in fact, uh, beginning to raise interest rates. I guess the question investors have at this point is how much, how quickly, and over what time frame? Let's bring on a, uh, an expert to maybe get some thoughts there on this uh, area of the market. Christoph Gleisch, president and CIO of Harbor Capital Advisors. So Christoph, uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve has begun raising rates. How do you think the path will look uh, for this Federal Reserve over the course of the year? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. So I think it's important to start at the top that we have an economy now that is overheating and is clearly too strong. Um, we've now got a Fed that is playing catch up and is trying to take some momentum um, you know, out of the growth by tightening financial conditions, which obviously then operate with a lag. So I think the combination of today's overheating economy and tightening the financial conditions will eventually translate into a slowing economy. Um, but how do we get there? I think um, you know, what's important to uh, understand is this is not our father's Fed. This Fed tightening cycle, we think, is going to be a sprint and not a marathon. So we think it's going to be pretty abrupt um, compared to certainly previous tightening cycles. Sorry, do they, um, do they remain on this uh, tightening path until they break the back of inflation? Is this a Fed that is hell-bent on turning inflation around, even at the risk of um, you know, a recession or even a market crash? Yeah, so I think, look, the, this is a different Fed than what we've had to contend with over the last couple of decades. You know, the market's changed. It's very different. You look at the Fed's dual mandate of um, in full employment and price stability. 
Uh, we think they're worried about price stability. So we think they're not only going to talk tough on inflation, we think they're going to be tough on inflation. Um, you know, you saw, saw Bullard come out a couple of days ago, even talking about 75 basis points at the next meeting. We don't think it will be that, but I think that's just indicative of how worried they are uh, about inflation. And we think it would be a mistake to underestimate their resolve in tackling this this year. Do you think the uh, Federal Reserve has a credibility problem? I think they had a big credibility problem a few months ago. I think when Powell finally retired the term transitory at the end of November, you know, they were very, very late. And, and then the market was worried that they weren't taking inflation seriously, which is in part why we think they're going to have to be so tough, because they are in the midst of wrestling back uh, credibility. Yeah, but it does seem like now um, the markets buy that they're willing to do whatever it takes, in a sense, to fight inflation. As long as that's the case, I mean, if everyone believes them, they won't have to do too much, right? So what's your expectation for the terminal rate? So I think the um, with, with regards to um, the Fed tightening, we think the terminal rate uh, will probably fall out somewhere in the threes. And if you think about where we've, we've already tightened significantly, so the markets, have, as you said, believe what the Fed uh, has been has been saying. And we've seen a significant tightening in financial conditions. You know, we look at uh, various indicators of, of financial conditions and we actually see that they've tightened already. I think today's um, mortgage rates coming in at 5.1 is a, is, a, is a great example of how quickly financial conditions uh, have tightened. So given that backdrop, Christoph, how are you positioning your portfolio? What are you telling your clients? So at the moment, I think the um, the asset class that people are under allocated to, the kind of forgotten asset class, is commodities. Uh, we all talk about 60-40 investing across equities uh, and bonds, but we think uh, right now is prime for a diversified approach to commodities in client portfolios. At this point of the cycle, uh, when it is overheating, uh, tends to be when commodities do best, when inflation is running hot above 3%, as it is today, tends to be when commodities do best, and they offer great uh, diversification uh, benefits from, from equities and fixed income. And we just think they're an asset class that have been largely ignored over the past decade. Obviously, But not the past couple happen. of months, right? I mean, hasn't that ship sailed at this point? I, I don't think it's sailed. No, far from it. Um, you know, I think the, the issue with uh, inflation is there's cyclical and structural dynamics at play here. And coming into this year before, um, obviously, the, the, the tragic uh, situation in Ukraine, you know, the commodities markets were already very tight, um, suffered from a, a lack of investment. And we were already looking at coming into a, a squeeze in commodity prices. That's now been um, exacerbated by what's happened. Uh, so we don't think that uh, commodities are sort of are done here. We think this is earlier innings. And we think the old 2% world of inflation that we used to live in is a thing of the past. And there are plenty of drivers of structural inflation now, such as you know, deglobalization, uh, decarbonization, energy security, and things like that. So one of the commodities, obviously, that uh, gets people's attention is, is crude oil. Brent crude still at well north of $100 a barrel. You still think there's room to go there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we think the risk at the moment to Brent is certainly to the upside. Um, look, there's, there's been a lot of 
financial market disruption in the, in the commodity space um, since uh, the, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But what we're yet to see are the physical uh, disruptions. You know, uh, a kilojoule of energy is not fungible and even individual um, commodities are not fungible. And when you try and reconfigure, um, uh, you know, whether it was Russian oil and gas typically shipped to Europe right. is now on its way to the Far East. Uh, as we saw with COVID, that causes all sorts of supply chain right. um, headaches, which is ultimately inflationary. All right, Christoph, thank you so much for sharing some of your time. We appreciate getting your insights. Christoph Gleisch, president and CIO of Harbor Capital Advisors, uh, giving us his thoughts on markets. And he's suggesting, hey, folks, take a look at commodities. There's more room to go. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. David Kudla, founder, CEO, and CIO of Main State Capital Management, uh, joins us here. David, we've got rising interest rates. Um, you know, and the question is how fast, how, how much. How do you position your portfolio for an environment that we haven't seen in quite some time? You know, uh, good morning, Matt and Paul. And that is, uh, that's a very good question. I think a lot of investors are asking themselves, because if you look at the uh, 60 40 that that classic 60 40 mix this year uh, as an investor or anything around that that it has you know uh, stocks of uh, the s p 500 some stocks of the nasdaq uh, and you know look at the u.s aggregate uh, u.s aggregate bond index you're pushing uh, a negative 10 percent return uh, or close to that or a little bit more depending on your mix of stocks uh, with the U.S. aggregate bond index down over 9% this year. You know, we, we, we know the statistics. It would be the worst year on record. So um, we're tactical asset allocators at Main State Capital Management. So we have been, uh, in the first part of this year, we have been short bonds, and that's specifically treasuries, high-grade corporates that are very interest rate sensitive. I think that was prudent with what uh, we know is coming from the Fed, and, and we've seen – you know, all along the curve from twos to tens, anticipate that. 
Uh, and in stocks, you know, we're, we're and we're long commodities. We're significantly overweight commodities. Most we've ever been in the history of the firm. And then in stocks, we're picking our places. At what point, uh, That's the David? Second time we've heard commodities today. Dave. Yeah, we have. And I'm going to ask David yeah. the same question that I, I just asked a few minutes ago, um, in in a different way. Because okay, you've you've made the right bets and you've profited on that. At what point do mm-hmm. you take some money off the table? Because now everyone is saying get into commodities, and at that point, I start to ask myself, you know. Um, is the trade over? Yeah, and I've um, you've mentioned before my presence on Twitter, and I've you know teased, not trolled, but teased some some of the people talking about commodities. Now it's like good call, but you're a little bit late to the game, and that's you know commodities has been a good play for a year, but especially these last you know four you know four or five months, uh, it's been incredible. We had all the reasons for coming into that space that was heightened by Ukraine. Uh, and COVID lockdowns in China. We've seen the Ukraine premium get built in and and taken back out. But we think the fundamentals are still there for commodities to go, not at the rate they have been maybe in the first four, four and a half years. But, you know, if you look at the environment we're in, we're in an inflationary environment uh, for a while here. Uh, We have the some of the elements of 1970s style, 1970s style stagflation. But if you look back in the 1970s when inflation was running, uh, you know, at a very high rate, what uh, asset class did the best during that time frame? And it was it was commodities. Now, the short treasuries, we're going to be scaling that back because we've seen a lot of that get built in already. And I think we're going to see, you know, interest rates more leveling out, maybe some more risk to the upside, but certainly not the run up we've had since uh, December. Do you are you in the camp that has, you know, a reasonable concern that this Federal Reserve is going to move too quickly, uh, too much, and in fact push this economy not into a slowing uh, growth rate but into actual recession? Yeah, that is that is our fear, and you know, I, if I had to put odds on it right now, I'd say it's maybe still fifty fifty, but it depends on um, how they actually execute. I mean, if if you look at how far behind the curve they are and maybe how slow and deliberate we're going to hear from Jerome Powell later today, but how slow and deliberate, you know, they've been, they literally let QT or I'm sorry, QE run right up to the first rate hike in the first week of March, they were still buying, you know, 4.1 billion and, and, uh, and assets and it ran literally and right up to the meeting. And it was a quick pivot to QT. Uh, and now we're talking about 50 basis point rate cut, rate hikes, and with Bullard maybe 75. But we've got a couple in there, and so when they move that far that fast, that's when we're concerned about them breaking something. Uh, we had you know portions of the yield curve in, inverting uh, earlier, you know, several weeks ago, and and that's you know there are some historical precedents there. But aside from that, it's it's just that they could move far enough and fast enough that they could lead us into recession or, or a meaningful slowdown right now, you know, things still look good. Uh, hey. Corporate profits are coming in very well for the first quarter. Yep. Economy still humming along, but there is concerns we get in the second part of, or really into 2023. Hey, David, you're the founder sponsor of engage, which is the world's largest student stock pitch competition and conference at the university of Michigan. Are we having one of those this year? Or is it going to be in person? Give us the, what's the status? It's virtual. We're okay. still trying to be, uh, you know, respect for, you know, the concerns about uh, the ongoing COVID issue. And so 
uh, virtual again, virtual last year, virtual again this year, but we will certainly be back to an in-person conference next year, which I like for students so that when we bring in all these professionals, they have a chance to interact with them and network with them one-on-one. Yep, that's some great stuff, uh, David, uh, that you do there with that conference again at the University of Michigan. David Kudla, founder, CEO, CIO of Mainstay Capital Management, uh, Grand Blanc, Michigan. Michigan. But he got his master's degree at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's good stuff, though. But that Engage Conference is really good. I know a lot of schools participate that, and uh, they get some real good experience in terms of the markets and investing, and uh, they get to interact with a lot of professional investors. So There are some thing. good things to do in Ann Arbor. Sure. Absolutely. Not go see a football game. <laughs> Speaking from uh, the man from uh, the great state of Ohio here. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.